0: Today on Unleashcast, we focus very much on the tech as I talk to Dan Richardson about acquisitions, poor tech stacks, and the way that things have changed permanently. Let's get into it. How the devil are you? Hello,
1: uh, I'm very well, thank you. I've been missing the podcast. Where it's been a little while. Well, it feels like it's been a little while with the Vegas and everything, everything since. I should take some responsibility, though. I did take a holiday, so...
0: You did? That's fine. Everyone deserves a holiday. It's very important for your work-life balance. But yeah, it has been a while. We did saw a couple when we were out in Vegas that were kind of a little bit different, obviously focused a lot on the show. But now we're over the other side of that and looking forward to Unleash World. But um, plenty to say on that in the coming weeks. But today we're here to talk about HR technology and uh, three stories... That we've published recently on site. Got a preference where we start? You no, know I haven't. I'll, I'll, I'll trust you. I'm too invested. <laughs> okay. Let's go with my favourite headline of yours, which was, poor technology leads to resignations. Fairly serious, I'd say, but um, what it says to me is that people expect higher standards, right?
1: Yeah. I, I, I think that hits the nail on the head. I, I think it's one of those, and the nature of headlines is, it almost deals in absolutes. I don't. I don't think having a poor tech stack is going to mean, you know, sixty percent of your workforce is just going to set up and leave on a Monday morning or something. But I, I do think when we look at factors that that drive resignations, it's it likely to be higher than you'd initially expect. Um, we used yeah. to. So, so sorry to contextualize this a bit. We this is by Lakeside Software who. Uh, are owned by SysTrack and their employee experience so that they're very focused. And I used to work with one of their rivals, NextThink, many years ago, not too many, but yeah. And what it used to be a few years ago was, oh, to the employers, look how much time you're losing productivity-wise if it takes 15 minutes to boot up a laptop every day or or something like that. And I, I think now people are starting to realize It's not just the productivity, it's the people waiting who are making a cup of tea while they're waiting to do stuff that are also getting quite frustrated, not just the managers.
0: Yeah, this is off the back of that uh, report, and it's a pretty good sample size, 200, well, 600 respondents from C-level to IT execs, employees, a variety of industries. It's a good, solid snapshot of what's going on, I think. And um, further down the piece, it says that approximately one hour per week per employee is lost, doesn't sound like a lot, but clearly, you know, you're an uh, an organisation of five thousand plus employees. Uh, you know, multiply that over many weeks in the year. That's a lot. So it's that classic teacher thing when you turn up
1: late to class and they go, "Well, if you're five minutes late for this class, and we do this class how many times a week?" But it, but it is very true. I, I think you know, for example, if you have lost an hour a week, that that really does add up for these big enterprises. And but. Even the SMEs, I, I, you know, if you're thirty people and you've lost thirty hours a week, it's still almost effectively a working a working week for someone, right? Um, Of downtime. So yeah, I I think it's really a good case for people actually want to be productive. I think that's the first thing that we always overlook, and then they also want to be happy with with the tools they have and at their disposal, um, and that they work effectively because it's not only typical crashes it's bigger than that it's oh well my my photoshop for example doesn't work properly you know it stutters and it freezes or you know okay well then even that which you wouldn't consider downtime is still taking longer than it should and it's making people ineffective and then the extra layer on that is if you and maybe this is uh maybe too much of a psychological deep dive but if you're if you're there with your Rubbish old laptop, and you're thinking, "Oh, am I valued inside my organization? And you're staring at a screen that isn't working I think I think maybe you are more likely to say, "Oh, maybe I should see what's on LinkedIn jobs or take that message from the recruiter so yeah I, I think it's one of those that it, it's a build up of of issues, and they're exacerbated now by working from home. Touchwood. I know that's different for everyone. I say work from home. Uh, some people are doing fifty-fifty, right, and, and all the rest.
0: Yeah, I mean, undeniably, everyone, to degrees, more or less, so is using te- technology more in their work life and um, and their workflow. So you want to get it right. So it's a warning call to organisations who aren't nailing it, really, and the ones that are going to rise to the top won't do just because of this, but it's an essential part of being a functioning business in 2022, I think.
1: Yeah. I, I think we, we say this a lot, but, you know, listening to employees and, and giving
0: them what you can
1: and, you know, kind of meeting them at least halfway is, is a huge factor in retention has to be.
0: Yeah. We're going to stick with technology and we're going to talk about Okta. Uh, so another great piece, and this is sort of, this again is about tech tools but but more so about how we use tech tools and and the fact that um well the headline says that the use of tech tools has changed permanently according to Octa the horrifying I'm allowed to say horrifying stat that I pulled out from the first three or four paragraphs of this piece is that 2000 plus companies so rather companies with with 2000 or more employees uh use 187 different apps uh in their work is that right that no, that's dead on and um
1: it's you just my initial reaction when I sort of think about that is there's got to be a way to cut that down, there's got to be an all in one solution somewhere. Um, this was a, a great interview, um, and I, I think, like any any of us for a journalist, what we do is tear up for an interviewee to knock it out of the park. Um, and Christina Johnson, he's the chief people officer over at Okta, um, really did that. Um, So to sort of lay the scene, they do a business at work report annually that assesses, you know, what tools have come in, what types of tools are are on the rise. And I think some of them are slightly predictable, more communication tools. Of course, um, interestingly, there's more automation tools, uh, more tools that allow you to sort of, um, you know, write write online, do signatures, get, get your files tucked away. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting that you have some of them which you kind of expect, and then there's others that maybe you expect less. And I, I, I think security is the one we often forget, or it's the one I don't always think of. So it, it was really good to get their, their perspective as a security firm or maybe why they aren't not them specifically, but why the security sector isn't the one that's growing the most in terms of tool use. Um, yeah, because we've got, uh, what is it? It's Lapsus. I'm going to say it's Lapsus, and if it's wrong, I, I can get heckled on, online. The, uh, the guys who managed to hack Samsung, NVIDIA, Nintendo, I think by extension, but not properly. Uh, just like everyone. <laughs> they seem to somehow manage, manage to access their systems. And that does show that we need to work on cybersecurity. Um, we've been having a lot of cybersecurity chats recently. I had a chat with Paul over at Aqua Security, which will, which will have a piece out in the next few weeks. So watch out for that, guys. But he was saying that, you know, people are often, often the issue, unfortunately. So it's how do you re- regulate people? educate people and then not go, oh, this just slows my work down. And I hate it, you know?
0: Yeah, I I think uh, it's one of those things that often gets um, pushed to the side, but it's so, so, so important. And and these these tools that are, again, adjacent to security uh, through issues of things like interoperability and getting all these different platforms to work together. So tools that kind of provide that layer between the, the, the apps that you use a lot to make sure that you get kind of seamless login, that sort of thing, like um, two-factor authentication or all those things. So important. And uh, just going to get um, more so as we go along, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think um, the next step is for us to have a tool that maybe streamlines how many tools we have. Yeah. It, for nothing more, for me to stop saying tool on this podcast, we need something to cut it down.
0: In, 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 instruments? No, doesn't quite fit. Last story, Gloat has raised $90 million in a Series D funding round. So they're an AI-powered talent marketplace. Is there a talent marketplace out there that isn't AI-powered is my question. Uh, Yeah, I I was steered towards maybe no, but um, Gloat have done a very,
1: very good job of capitalising on it, to be fair. Um, So we've covered Gloat for a couple of years um, and naturally... Anyone who's reached 90 million Series D is doing something right. What they've, I think, what they've really mastered and, and what the big takeaway from, from this piece is, although read it, you can make your own takeaway, but for me is that human capital management has been increasing in importance for years. We always have the old adage, the pandemic accelerated, you know, the, these kinds of trends. But I think it's more understanding that it's not just the pandemic, it's the tools we use in offices as well accelerate the need because we use more complex tools. So you need more solutions that can understand and make complex things easier for you. I think it's as as simple as that, really. When you're looking at a talent marketplace, I think basically it's an incredibly messy world unless you, unless you have the appropriate systems, I'm going to say, I've avoided saying tools. Uh, (laughs) um, So yeah, I, I think what they've really mastered is just, been slightly ahead of the curve and so you're going to need this and uh, sure i guess cynically maybe the pandemic helped some bigger organizations realize that
0: yeah i mean there's there's so many talent mobility is a completely different world now isn't it because uh, we've got teams working asynchronously across uh different continents and in across out of the, out of the workplace, in the workplace, uh, reskilling, upskilling uh, factors to play in there as well. So, um, yeah, it's a completely different world, really. And uh, like you said, if they've managed to raise that in a Series D, then something's going right. And um, But also towards the end of the piece, they, you, you uh, wrote that they're not sure, that it's not clear how they'll use this investment. So will they expand their customer base, look to get into the acquisition market? Who knows?
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting times. So I'm sure there'll be a statement in a, in a couple of months once they've, once they've ironed out that. Um, just because of the nature of the talent marketplace and what we've seen with a lot of sort of HR startups is that now their value has decreased dramatically from what it was at the start of the year. So I wouldn't be surprised to see an acquisition. I think it, this is a smart time to do acquisitions. I can't speak for Gloat, but if you gave me... 90 million in a HR startup that's probably what I'd be looking at (laughs) right now
0: well there we go that was uh, the last few weeks in HR tech Uh, as you alluded to we've got loads more exciting pieces coming up we've got our next event happening mid-October in Paris Uh, more details of that to come but for now Dan thanks very much thank you good job